Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Boys, a little change of tone uh, this podcast. We finally got a win. Um, Let's fucking go, baby. We own I, Brighton. We own Robert Deserby. That's This is our club. We don't own us. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think this was... A good uh, lesson for Brighton. They're still a small club, contrary to what they believe. Um, but this is Chelsea, and there's levels to this shit. Our worst team that we've had in decades beat their best team that they've ever had. Um, so that's always good. Um, mm-hmm. But Andres, you're here also. Uh, you already heard Sam's voice for you lovely listeners. But um, Andres, how you feeling, man? A different different yeah. type of mood today, isn't it? It's just a relief. It's a relief. I we we won. We're still in it, which means we can still get Europe, even if our table position sucks. Because Carabao Cup gets you, I think, into one of the European comps. Yeah, it's, it's good vibes. Good vibes today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Chelsea beats. Wait, wait, hold on. Sorry, yeah. are we predicting a potential Carabao Cup run? I mean, this uh-huh. is the one thing, Andres. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, like, saying I'm not sure. I'm not putting on my tinfoil hat yet. I'm just saying that, like, we beat Brighton and Man City lost to Newcastle today. I don't know who who we dra- who we got in the in the draw. I'm pretty sure they already did it it's or they're Blackburn. doing it. We got Blackburn. Okay, so I'm feeling confident that we'll make it at least to the fifth round. Yeah, I, hopefully. hopefully, a favorable we, draw. We, yeah, let, let's just get into this one because there were certain things that that a certain man decided to do, and it was a completely different result. So, yeah, yeah. So just uh, going through the li- well, going through the lineup really quick. Chelsea won one nothing. We lined up in a four two three one, and guess what, guys? This is actually a four two three one by definition. Um, we had two proper oh, fullbacks sorry. and two proper center backs. Um, with Malo Gusto suspension and Reese James's injury, Kukurea came in as a makeshift right back. Shock. Less than 24 hours after uh, multiple news outlets reported that he wanted out. So that's an interesting choice. Ben Chilwell as our left back, center back combo of Levi Colwell and DeSassi. We had a double midfield pivot uh, consisting of Kaiseido and Leslie Uguchukwu. Um, the three playing behind Nico Jackson was Matson, Palmer, and Mikhailo Mudrik. So thank God we lined up in that four-two-three-one, boys. It looked good. I mean, I thought I thought our play was a little bit. Um, I thought our play was fluid. Granted, we didn't possess much of the ball, but that's that's more Brighton's forte. But I mean, we were talking about it just before we um, hit the record button here, but. I don't really mind giving up possession if it means we're going to play in this way. It was it was very much a fearless uh, performance from pretty much everybody. Uh, Andres, what do you what do you make of all of it? I mean, this is what we've been asking for, right? Like, let's be the ones that set the tone. Like, let's not react to what's happening around us. Like, we played three left backs today. 
We went from playing three center backs to playing all three rostered left backs. And yes, Kukri at right back, Matson at right wing. Like we saw overlaps from Chilwell to Mudrick. We saw Levi Colwell be like unleashed and allowed to do what he does best. Like, why didn't we score more? Maybe you can say, like, oh well, we kind of missed Enzo in the double pivot to to control possession a little bit more. But those are all nitpicks because these guys came out with intensity. They came out sort of, you know, the game plan was there. They knew exactly what their roles were supposed to be, what they were supposed to be looking for. And again, they're young, they're inexperienced, so we're going to mess up here and there. But overall, I think nine out of the 11 players get glowing reviews from me. Like, it's going to be, I think the nine players in my mind have an argument to start Monday against Fulham if it's not for something like Nico Jackson having to to sit out because of yellow cards, you know? That's how good I thought they were. So um, what did you see? Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to add, but um, overall, just like my overall thoughts, everyone, I think everyone on the pitch looked good today. And it's, we last episode, we talked about two small changes that needed to happen and it happened and we looked so much better. It, it like immediately we knew. So thank God Pochettino finally woke up. Thank God we got Cole Palmer because I think if if we never got him, we wouldn't have seen this formation until you know Nkunku or um, Chukwemeka. What's Chukwemeka comes back from injury? So um, yeah, like Cole Palmer was like was probably like the player that excited me the most today. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get right into it. I mean, Cole Palmer, I I think we could all agree that, in my opinion, I thought he was a man of the match. What do you guys think? Let's just start there first. He almost had two assists, or he should have yeah, had two he, assists. He's had the two. man of the match. He's the man yeah. of the match. Yeah, he should have had two assists, and in my book, Nico Jackson also scored two goals. Or was Bad. it? Uh, or was it Broja? Sorry. Was no, no, Broja it was Nico. Scored Nico scored, scored both. Yeah, it, it was, was Nico for both. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he Nico. came off. He came off like right after that, and then Broja would have been played through because he was in his own half, but the whistle was blown for offside, and yeah, nobody would have caught Broja because the man looks healthy as hell. Yeah, yeah. But, he looks quick at least. He yeah. looks quick at least. Um, Go, going back real quick to Palmer though, it was such a breath of fresh air to see a number ten play right next to the striker and be close yeah. and always be looking for him. Like there was very much an understanding of where you need to be and you're not like Cole Palmer did what he was supposed to instead of like Enzo trying to be Enzo even though he's lined up at the 10 you know what I mean like Enzo yeah. was trying to do what he does as the eight which then like crowded our midfield and then left Nico Jackson isolated versus today no Enzo so sure build up was a little bit different but the moment the ball got to Cole Palmer he was always looking for that next pass, whether it was to Mudrick through, uh, Matson, but most importantly, him connecting with Nico Jackson. Again, should have been two assists, but both times under pressure, super calm. The guy looked fantastic. I think, uh, I think the thing I like the most about his performance, and I mean, you, com- you compared what he did at the 10 um, with you know, what Enzo does at the 8. I, I think it's a good comparison. The thing I noticed the most about Cole Palmer, and you as a coach, Andres, would appreciate this too, and I'm sure you teach your players this also, keeping your head on a swivel. 
the guy's constantly looking around him. He's constantly looking for passing options when he doesn't have the ball at his feet. He's so aware of where he is on the pitch at all times. And he's aware of when he needs to time his runs to fill a gap or pop into a half space. He knows um, when to overlap, when to release the ball. He understands the timing of passes, which I think none of our other forward players have figured out quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a fair statement, I think. But, you know, I, I listened to his post-match press conference, and what struck me the most was when he talked about um, the pass to Nico and said, you know, when he first noticed Nico making the run, the pass wasn't on. And he said that he had to wait until the right opening opened up, and then that's when he was able to play him through um, yeah. and Nico get his goal. So the patience that he has on the ball and just the awareness to know that, okay, it's not on, but it will be in a split second. Um, you know, just that little hesitation makes the biggest difference. Sam, before I pass it off to you, I mean, I think he's the only player we have besides Enzo that has that ability, that has the ability to scan the pitch and to also time his passes in the same way that he did today. I think Caicedo showed signs of that last year with Brighton, but I haven't seen it really at all this season. Um, But I think he could be the third person on that list, but below, definitely below Enzo and uh, Palmer. But I wanted to just quickly... uh, just mention Nico Jackson because I thought that he made Cole Palmer look really good today. And this just goes back to what I predicted at the beginning of the season that Nico Jackson would not score a lot of goals this year. And I kind of made that my expectation. Like I want to, I, I don't know the right way to explain his play style, but if Nico Jackson isn't making a first time pass, or, you know, like, just just a quick touch to take a shot off. Like, the moment he's asked to, to take more than two touches, I think it's, like, when it he gets in trouble. But he's playing, like, these first-time, like, passes right when the ball gets to him, rotates the ball, you know, kind of like what Giroud did. But, like, um, I think he's obviously a lot quicker and, you know, a little bit yeah. more athletic. So, I don't know. I, I really like that. And the fact that he was able to put two away, then I think it goes to what Andreas was talking about, having a center attacking mid playing along the striker. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... We, we were never, ever building out of the center of the pitch. Every single, like, chance that we created was from the wing. So, one like, this was... A third of the pitch is not being utilized to create chances. And... Now with that, like I thought that was the most important change out of in our formation um today, and that's why we looked the way we did. I mean, I think to put your I think I understand the point you're trying to make about Nico Jackson, and I agree with you. It does feel like he tries to hit a grand slam every time he gets the ball. Where he need just needs to understand that hitting a single every now and then um will do the team just fine. And I think that's the comparison you make with Giroud is is, is well founded. Like it, it seems like when he gets the ball, he just tries to do the extraordinary every single time when a simple one or two touch layoff um, or even a backwards pass just to sort of keep possession instead of trying to spin your defender every time would do the trick. But And, and Andres, he's good at that. Yeah, no, no. And, and he is. And but, but the thing is, and it's the same criticism I have for Mudrik, to be fair. Don't do it every time. Like, mix it up a little bit. You have to keep the other team on your heels. Like... Today, at times, it even looked like Mudrik dribbled into, dribbled into his defender a couple times. But 
Those are growing pains. I'm not too concerned at the moment. I think that's something that Poch is definitely going to be harping on when it comes to Nico's game is just simplifying everything across the board from talking to the ref to your first touch to knowing and understanding when to take players on and so on and so forth. Um, Andy, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I I think the way I interpreted what Sam was saying and, and how I see Nico's game is like whenever he's not tasked to to have the pressure, like the, the spotlight is on him. I think that's when he shines, right? Like he receives the ball in midfield. You don't expect your number nine to be there. He turns it and then he plays somebody through. He does those things so well. But then when it's like, oh, he's been played. He's the final pass. So now like it's Nico versus goalkeeper or Nico needs to beat a center back. That's where I feel like he overthinks it and, and gets two in his head where he gets kind of just nervous because he hasn't been that guy. Like he was a surprise at Villarreal, and that's why he was scoring all the goals. He was a surprise this preseason when we didn't even know who our starting striker was. And then now it's like, oh, this is going to be the guy. And it's almost like, okay, shit, okay, the expectations are upon me. And I think he's slowly, like the moment he scored the goal, his his overall performance was night and day. He got confident, and it felt mm-hmm. like everything was going for him. He was doing the flicks. He was dribbling people up, like it's it's a confidence thing for him and right now when the shot like the light shines on him directly i think that's when he messes up but like you guys said when he's integrating others when he's doing the layoff he's those things are coming a lot easier um but yeah again scoring was huge he scored twice like in, in my book he yeah, scored twice scored today. twice i hope he feels that same way and and again it's 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 part of that that time i think he benefited so much. Sam talked about, we used the central third of the field today. How did Nico look his best in preseason was when Matson was close to him, Chukwameka was close to him, and Kunku was close to him. Yes, yes. We, I'm, I'm, we I'm had, imagining those exact plays when I, we, when I said that. Yeah, the second goal today looked so much like the best goals we scored in preseason. And again, when Enzo was forced into playing the 10, he's not in those spaces because Enzo likes to be the guy that like, kills you with with like the sniped 40 yard pass you know like enzo's not doing the oh the the twinkle toes things around the box where it's one pass move one pass touch move like that's not his game and so adding cole palmer there matson was was very much tucked in mudrick likes to cut in every single time those four guys were so with like within each other's proximity that's where nico's gonna shine he doesn't have time to think of the of what he needs to do. He just needs to be instinctive, like go, turn and pass. Mm-hmm. Palmer's first assist. He not makes the defender. Nico just one time. That's where we're gonna get our goals. It's it's when these young guys have the pressure of like, oh shit, I've got played on goal. I have to beat the the, the goalkeeper. Is where I think we're gonna keep struggling. Yeah, and and the last point I'm gonna make on Palmer is, you know, after watching this performance today. It just makes me that much more excited for a guy like Nkunku to come back. Somebody that's able to time passes and find the runners. And when you combine that with the intelligence of the movement that Nkunku has, and also how lethal he is. I mean, Nkunku's the type of guy where you only got to give him one or two chances a game, and he buries one, yeah. if not both. So, you know, having Cole yeah. Palmer when he comes back, I think that's going to be huge. And if I'm going to be frank, guys, I mean... We've already seen Mudrik develop some sort of chemistry with Nico. We saw it develop in the preseason. It's going to continue to grow. Now Cole Palmer has that chemistry. We already know Nkunku has that chemistry. Sterling's the only guy that doesn't really have that yep. with Nico. So when Nkunku comes back, 
I would have a I would have the three behind Nico or Broja, whoever it is. I would have it be Mudrick, Palmer, and Ngunku. I think that I, would be the move, ideally. That's my that's my guess too. I think Sterling has like started the season well, but again, he's not his moments of brilliance have not been in combination with the others, right? Like it was yeah, Luton where he was very much he had like a, a spark of brilliance in Luton and West Ham, he was doing it alone as well. And and you talk about that combination. I think you talk about Nico benefiting over Palmer and Kunku is is not your creator. He's your finisher. Like that's finisher. why the Nkunku Nico partnership was cool because Nico checks in and Kunku covers the space and he's the one finishing. Imagine Palmer on the right side on his strong left foot now having two targets in the middle to combine with. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um I mean I do want to move on. We have a couple other players I want to talk about. The next one on the list here is Mikhailo Mudrik. We already mentioned him a little bit. I mean, he pretty much picked up where he left off, guys. You know, he's one of our most creative players on the day. Um, he was fouled more than anyone else in the match with four total fouls. If you look at the stat sheet, it's not the greatest uh, or the prettiest stat sheet you'll ever see. He didn't re- he didn't touch the ball all too much. Um, but when he did get the ball, he was decisive. Um, he was very direct with his play. And you can tell that he's getting more and more comfortable um, with just the overall pace and physicality of the game. And I think that's the overall takeaway that you got to do with Mudrik. I'm learning really quickly here, especially uh, you know being part of a podcast that um, when it comes to Mudrik, mentioning the stats isn't really all that important. He's one of those guys that you have to um, you have to you have to observe him via the eye test. And I think he passed again today. I think it was another really good showing for him. Of course, still very raw. He does dribble into his defender. He does have a heavy touch. I think his mind, his body moves uh, quicker than his mind sometimes, um, which can get him into some trouble. But overall, he's getting better and better every game, and that's all we can really ask. So, um, Sam, I'll pass this one off to you first. I mean, Mikhailo Mudrik and, you know, maybe not just his performance today, but let's talk about, you know, his last three or four matches now. I mean, this has been uh a, a trend the last few matches that he becomes a sort of creator slash attacking hub for us yeah slowly and slowly growing in confidence i i'm seeing a lot of stuff that i like um i think people will still not recognize the good things he does until he actually gets that goal um mm. which I think it's it's also I think that's fair because he's a player that should be scoring. I feel like that was one of his like like I mean you see it in training, you know? Like he yeah. has a lethal shot. So it's not a player like how I was saying with um Nico Jackson that I didn't expect him to score. Like Mudrick, I think he's a player that is expected to score goals, so if he's not you know, like, all the good stuff kind of gets pushed aside. And he's gonna, he's gone close. I mean, he had a good, you know, pop of the ball, like, really early into the match. Uh, it, was, it was on target, which is really nice to see. And, um, you know, I mean, the creating, of course, like you mentioned, that, that's awesome, too. Um, he needs to work on, I think the team just needs to work on the timing of the runs. But... He's got it. You know, he's looking out for that, which is really cool. Um, I was disappointed to see him again again get pulled, but 
um, as you guys uh, comforted me, really, like, you know, instantly, pretty much, that, you know, he's he's still, he's coming off an injury, but, you know, it's been three or four matches since he's been back, and we play on Monday, so maybe it's a good sign that he was taken off early, because he's going to be pl- asked to probably play the full 90 on Monday against Fulham, so, um, yeah, I just I just want to see him play a full 90. Yeah, he, again, he's going to give you, like, off your seat kind of thing. Like, that's what you want him to do. You get the ball, and you're like, this guy's about to try something. And, and Zach, I think the, the best play in this match regarding Mudrick, where you think his body is going faster than his brain, is we have this amazing buildup that ends with him in the box, and he fights contact instead of going down and earning himself a penalty. Because he's moving so fast that he's thinking, I need to keep the ball, I need to keep the ball without realizing yeah. that's a pen. That's a pen. Yeah. And if he just goes down, we get a VAR check. Man, and we, we, we look down upon that when it's done against us. We can't ask him to do the same thing. But, but, it, but it's something you, you're supposed like, yeah. that's a That's a part that I talked about a, a few pods ago where like, this team is lacking the, the cunningness, like the, the way where you think like the dark arts where you're like, how can I deceive the ref? How can I deceive? Like, how can I be like a little bit of a, a cheat in a way? Like Diego Costa would always shove people off the ball, like that kind of thing. Like that plays into it. If I'm an attacker, and I fought through contact a couple of times and I've taught the ref, I'm not going to go down easy. But then the moment mm-hmm. I'm in the box and I get contact, I go down. He knows I'm not flopping. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like those are things that like you put an Argentinian winger or Brazilian winger there. He's going down and we have a penalty. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's almost like in their blood. And I think that these guys slowly will get there. Like it, it's just a matter of confidence. Like I was saying, like Mudrik wanted that goal for himself so bad that he didn't realize that could have been a penalty for my team. So I I think he's going to keep getting the starts. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's going to be the fact that he started today in a midweek game when last time around we had a brand new 11 just goes to show that Poch wants this guy starting as his left winger. Like that is the big picture thing here. Left Mm -hmm. wing is Mudrick's to lose. Yeah, and also um – Something we didn't mention about Mudrik is he finally beat Pochettino in the crossbar challenge this week for the first time. Oh, what so. randomest headline I've ever seen! In my it life. was the most random headline ever. Dude. I mean, I was confused because if you're, you're Pochettino, why would you admit that you know your 80 million pound 21 year old is losing to a 50 year old, you know, in the crossbar challenge? Dude, but I thought the same exact thing. Like, this guy's <laughs> getting a lot of heat, and he's like literally just. Giving people more ammunition, like yeah, yeah. like he can even beat me in a fucking crossbar challenge. Like, dude, what? Because <laughs> like, Mudrik show off. Because <laughs> because Mudrik obviously only hits the target. He doesn't miss the target. That's what he's saying. That's probably oh, why yeah. he's probably putting it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why he's scoring so many goals for us too. Um, moving on to the next player here, we saw Ben Chilwell return to his left back spot. So a little change of pace. I mean, overall, it was a good performance from him. Um, it just confirms what we've been saying that left back is where Ben Chilwell belongs. Um, Three players benefit from it. Three yeah. whole ass players benefit from just putting him back in there. Yep, exactly. Um, but here's the thing. It was short-lived. He pulled a hamstring. Pochettino spoke about it after the game. Didn't really give much information. He said they don't know much about it, but it was enough to force Chelsea to play with 10 men, basically. 
um, to close the we match. Can't out. have nice things. No, we, we we can't. And that's my point here is like right when we do see Chilwell play where he's supposed to, and obviously he's our best option at that position. He gets hurt. So now, right when we find a formula that quote unquote works for us, we already have to <laughs> tweak it around a little bit. Um, for the following match because of injuries and you know it it, it could have been worse guys it, nico jackson could have came off with that wrist injury i at first i thought it was dislocated because the way he was holding it and you know but regardless beside the point um how concerning is this because i mentioned it before we recorded you know kukureo who we'll talk about in a little bit had a really good showing at right back um but Ian Motson is a player that we all prefer to play at left back, but hasn't at all under Pochettino so far. So Andres, what do you what do you make of this situation? How do you how do you think Poch is going to manage it, and how do you manage it? I manage it by playing him at left back because he can he's comfortable in the final third, right? And that's why we who, wanted uh, Motson. 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 Yes, yeah. we're all members of the Motson Mafia here. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to you like if you just showed tactically how much it opened up and how dynamic we were with a guy that's willing to overlap our left winger you need to bring that back and i understand he hasn't played there yet but again this is where i think Potts needs to just stick to what his blackboard is telling him we need to do and kukurea doesn't do that for you kukurea is only going to invert kukurea is only going to tuck in into towards the middle or into into the midfield he's not going to be the guy that overlaps and does something threatening in the box. So again, why would you force one guy to, to play poorly by doing that? And, and why not take the risk on number one, a guy that you've been preaching for his hard work at training and his flexibility and all this stuff. And number two, a guy that hasn't signed a new contract. This is, this is the chance for us to see is Ian Motson the heir apparent because Chilwell's hamstrings are getting worse and worse and we're like we cannot keep Chilwell uh healthy. So are you going to give those minutes again to the guy that 24 hours ago said he wants out of here and we're actively trying to sell or are you going to give it to the guy that you're hoping can be something? He's free. He was a player, he was in the team of the season for the championship like playing at an attacking left back position. To me, it's this is the time to do it. This is the time to check. It's Fulham for crying out loud. Give him the minutes. See what happens. I don't think playing Matson at left back is going to be a uh, negative to like if he doesn't do well. I don't think that's going to be the reason why Chelsea doesn't beat Fulham. Is what I'm trying to get at. I think the upside is far better than the downside of finally giving that experiment a shot. I don't know why you're clowning Fulham when they're. Three spots ahead of us on the fucking table, <laughs> which is honestly just more of an indictment on us. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm still um, I'm still of the belief that Ian Motson is better as a winger than he is as a as a left back. Um, I think he looked really good on the right side, but on the left is where he stars, and. Uh, but yeah, like I think out of necessity, if you want to play him there, I, I think that that's a great option to have. Um, but I don't know. I'm okay. I'm okay playing Kukure on the left and as a left back, and then having Monson in as a as a winger. I don't know. But 
Yeah, I think Monson playing out left back will probably be the better option. I think it would be, um, but I also feel like a part of a part of me thinks that Poch is gonna probably yeah. throw Kukurea at left back, bring Tiago Silva in, and then shift his Aussie out the right back. Um, or possibly Why can we just do the same Obel. thing we did today. I, no, I, I agree with you. I think we should do what we did today. But I'm saying what I think Poch is going to be doing. I think yeah. that's one option. I think the other option is Poch, and this is probably the more likely of the two. I think Poch actually plays Levi Colwo back out on the left, no, and no, 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 Correa no, no, no. on the right, and Desasi and Tiago Silva as center backs, and just revert Dude. to that old ridiculous, Dude, just, disgusting formation. Like again, the 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 deterioration of the speed of play of Tiago Silva. When, when in possession has been so glaring after 20 minutes of seeing Levi Kovo play center back today. Mm-hmm. Like how quickly and how far the ball travels off his feet to the target was key to bypassing a, a Brighton press so many times. Time and time again, Mudra getting the ball to feed early, Nico Jackson checking in, and, and now we completed, we broke through two lines of defense in one 40-yard pass. Like, and just I don't need a- him... Go ahead. Well, just to support your point there, um, and you know, you talk about breaking the lines with this passing. He broke the lines eight times. He led the match um, with passes into the final third with eight. And just to put this into context, um, Mudrick, Matson, and Cole Palmer combined only had five. So and they were the next highest. Cole nearly doubled it, um, playing as a center back. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, it's like. Yes, Thiago Silva will play a role this season. I totally get it. But again, give these guys more time to work with each other. Thiago Silva's probably gone next summer with yeah, good reason. So. Like it's it's time to to let him be the guy that comes in when we need to rotate and you can count on cuz he's got a genius mind of a defender and that's what makes him good. But we're about to play a team that's going to counter us time and time and time again in Fulham because Fulham is not going to play like Brighton. So why play the least athletic center back and slowest out of possession on Monday? You know, that thought like kept on creeping into my head during today and I just tried fighting it off with every urge. Like, just like, I I can't let those dark thoughts creep up in my mind. (laughs) But yeah, maybe, I mean, I think what you're saying right now is absolutely right. It and it's not it's not an indictment on the player that Tiago Silva is right now, and I don't know. I mean, you think that like I always hear about him saying that he wants to coach. Like, mm-hmm. who knows whether you know he retires love- next year and stays on as a, on the coaching staff? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he sees. That I think be, he still has some time. That would be the ideal scenario. I think would be like if he retired and then you know got involved with like one of the youth sides or. You know, yeah, something like that, Andres. Yeah, I I think this is one of those things where like not starting him isn't an indictment on him, but on on what the team needs. It's it's same reason why I think you don't start Gallagher. It's yeah. look look at how the two other center backs played today without Thiago Silva there as a crutch. And then yeah. in terms of Gallagher, look how much better Caicedo was without Gallagher there essentially trying to do the exact same thing Caicedo is doing and stepping in each other's toes. Like mm-hmm. that's where I mean, like these guys are individually doing well, 
but it's almost hurting the tactical approach of the team. And, and to me, it's like, Desasi's an absolute beast aerially. Cole will hold his own. So you, you don't have to worry about that part of thing. It's not like Thiago Silva's six foot five anyway. The passing speed and getting the ball moving is quicker without him right now. Like, give this partnership another run. Like, don't just hit the reset button because Chilwell pulled a hammy. Like, Kukria did so good at right back. Leave him there another game. Just one more game. Malagusto will get to play next weekend. And we still have the Rolls Royce about to come back into the side. Um, he had a little setback last week in Body of Shield, the bad man. Oh, I um, thought you were talking about Reese yeah. James, who also said oh, he's no. coming back soon. No, I mean he's a he he's a Rolls Royce too. But um, no, I'm talking about Body of Shield. I mean, and, and just to double down on my point with Body of Shield, I mean, he has that experience with Disasi um, from playing together with him at Monaco. So he's only going to make Disasi better if he comes into the team. And uh, like you said before the pod started recording, Andres, he played as a right-sided center back as well. So that's a position he's familiar with. So any argument that he won't or doesn't work, wouldn't work well stylistically with Colwell is just moot at this point because it's been proven that he could play on the right-hand side too. And plus, I, I don't buy this right-footed, left-footed center back nonsense. I mean, how many years at Chelsea did we play with John Terry and Gary Cahill as our two rights, as our two right-footed center backs? And well, Terry's left-footed. <laughs> well, up. Terry's, Terry's left-footed. Yeah, but we but, played David, yeah, Silva, David still, Luiz and Cahill together yeah. and won the league, and they're both mm -hmm. right-footed. Like, at the same time, today... Kukureya played right back. Nobody bitched about not having a good right foot. Like he was up behind Palmer as arguably the second highest in terms of man of the match votes. Yeah. So like if you're neat, if you're neat and tidy with the ball, it, it's not Rudiger, a good anymore. Yeah. Rudiger played left center back. Nobody bitched about it. I think like mm -hmm. people get so caught up in like the in internet coaching because oh, well, Pep always has a left-footed center back and a right-footed. It's like, bro, it, it can work. If they're good at passing, they're good at passing, period. Sure, the yeah. angle is slightly different, but we're not asking these guys to do the quarterbacking. That's what Enzo's for. As long yeah. as they have neat passing, that's we're chilling. It's one of the nuances of modern football. Um, pretty much every single player is ambidextrous at this point, or at least at this level. Um Moving on, I mean, I want to talk about Kukurea, the last uh, defender we'll talk about. Actually, if you count um, Robert Sanchez as a defender, a part of the defensive unit. But we'll start with Kukurea first. He started at right back, and it very much was a redemption performance for him. Like I mentioned pre, uh, um, earlier on in the pod, you know, there was a report that came out just 24 hours ago saying that he was unhappy and that he's going to be looking for a move in January, that he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't see a long-term future here. And it's understandable. I mean, he hasn't really gotten a look in, not that he should have. Um, but anyways, he gets the call up today, plays out of position at right back. And, um, you know, not just fought mob, but, uh, a couple other, um, you know, apps or websites, however you want to put it, even gave him man of the match with the highest rating and, um, for our team. So, Completed 81% of his passes, 26 out of 31. Four out of five long balls, which I think is phenomenal. This is the most ridiculous stat, I think. 13 of 16 duels won. The guy was just a brick wall on the day. Uh, six mm -hmm. tackles, three recoveries, two interceptions. Um, you know, went chest to chest with a couple of his former teammates a few different times, which was Matoma awesome. Matoma got subbed off. Yeah, yeah, he did force Matoma to get subbed off too. And, and that's another thing I want to mention. He was playing against basically Matoma 
um, which is no easy feat for any defender in the Premier League nowadays. So, guys, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I would start him on Monday. I mean, based on this performance, if Malagusto Malagusto's still out, um, Reese James is probably be. not going to be yeah. available. I start Kukurea at right back. Until he makes a mistake there, he should keep getting the nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be that that lineup drop on Monday is going to be an interesting one because it's going to be um what's the word I'm looking for here? Harsh if he doesn't get a start. He has to start one way or another. I hope it's on the right side, but we know we've already discussed it. There's a big likelihood that he might be at the left. Imagine and, 3 or 4 weeks ago uh, we told I told you guys <laughs> that we would want no Mark Rea to start as a right back. I would not believe you. Uh, but Ooh. also, like last match after um, Malagusto got uh, his red card and Dasasi basically shifted as a right back, I I wasn't a huge fan of what I saw, to be completely honest. So if the alternative is to play Dasasi there, I think I would rather, or I mean, I think that's one option. Keep the same formation, play Dasasi there. Option number two is what Zach was saying, revert back into that disgusting formation, and he is a quote-unquote right back, but really playing center back in the back three. Um, yeah. And then, um, or starting Kukurea as a right back and playing Dasasi as a center back, I think that third option is probably my favorite. Yeah. No, 100% agree. Yeah, and this is, um, was this was shocking. I did not I, like <laughs> like this was the last performance I would have expected. Um, and I don't know, maybe he's a natural right back. Maybe we've been uh, restricting him his whole <laughs> career by playing him, or uh, whole career at Chelsea by playing that left back and center back. He's natural mm-hmm. right back. He'll take Reese James's job. In his defense, guys, you don't win player. I don't think you win Player of the Year for a Premier League side if you're a shit footballer. And I just think, I don't think the situation is right for him at Chelsea. I don't think the price tag was right for him. It, it was more than he's actually worth. But I'm just going to give him benefit of the doubt this time. Um, and, you know, maybe this is a second chance for him at the club. You know, it, it sucks that it, he has to get his chance via injuries and playing out of position. But if he continues to perform at right back, I mean, he's going to nail down that backup left back spot as much as we all kind of hate to say it um but yeah i mean that option is very much still in play for him um if he keeps performing uh moving on here uh last person i want to talk about is robert sanchez um i mean where do we start with him do we start with the amazing saves that he made or do we start with the fact that he almost uh gave the match away not once not twice not three times not four times not five times he only completed five out of his 23 long balls so you could only imagine how many brighton shirts he found on the day but he did make two huge saves in the game um which i thought were pretty impressive um overall yeah. so where do we even start with this guy andres do you want to just kind of tee us off here i i would he got another clean sheet good for him but then again if you put ferguson instead of Joe pedro when Joe Pedro tried chipping him, that's a goal, you know? It, it, even Welbeck getting that experience, he might have scored that on Robert Sanchez. 
I, as, as Podge continues to gain confidence in his team selection, I would not be surprised if he takes a page out of Mikel Arteta's book and out of nowhere plays Georgia Petrovic because these are little things that have happened now multiple matches. He did it against Liverpool where he kicked it straight at their players a few times. He did it, I believe, against West Ham. He's doing it against Brighton. And, and those are mistakes that are only on him. If a goalkeeper gets scored on in open play, you know, you can be like, ah, oh, well, the mistakes began X, Y, Z, and it, he's just the last bit, and he maybe could have done better. But when you're the goalkeeper, you directly, your next pass goes straight to the other player, and immediately he's around the box to shoot on you. That's unforgivable. And it's happening way too often. He's supposed to be this, like, possession wizard, and I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And again, everything you read right now is that we're all we're, we're relying on our data, this and, and looking at the numbers here. Again, I would not be surprised if we randomly see Petrovic get a start in the next month. Even if he's, he, he gets a clean sheet the match prior. It, it's troubling that he has to have like superpower saves to to make us think that he had a decent game. Yeah, like, he just is not good enough of a keeper to, like, warrant, like, being the starter, the number one starter outright. So, I think that Petrovic, or what's his name again? Is it Georgia yeah. Petrovic, right? Georgia Petrovic, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he deserves a chance to at least start because uh, Sanchez has been making mistakes. He has... His shot stopping hasn't been ideal. I mean, he had, like you said, Zach, two big saves today, but the last two I don't matches, know. he was his shot stopping has been pretty flawless on the whole. Yeah, I know, but I feel like the thing, the issue that we're having with him is that fans and myself included are kind of flip flopping back and forth on him, and just the fact that there is that back and forth means that he's not an elite keeper. You know, yeah, like, agreed. it should be consistently like, okay, this guy's good, but it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's worrying. I don't, I'm not a huge fan. Just, just think about it this way. If we're concerned about the fact that if the ball goes backwards to him, it can end up with the other team. Imagine what that does to a back line. Like, that, mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. Where, like, he's not conceding because he is in good form and his shot stopping has been good. But form is temporary. And if he keeps making that possession mistake, again, October, November, December is about to be, or October, November are going to be a tough run of games. You don't hit the ball at Erling Holland and come out winning that battle nine times out of 10. Like, yeah. those are the games where it's really going to matter. And you can't have a back line be afraid of using their goalkeeper because in the last four games, Robert Sanchez has been giving the ball away in possession. Like those are those are what we call ambulance passes. What he was doing today to to Caicedo. Caicedo, like he he couldn't do anything with that. Those were just bad decisions. And again, I I hate to use Arsenal as a as a example, but Ramsdale was doing the same thing to Jorginho. I can't remember in what game it was where he did like an awful pass to Jorginho that led straight to a, a goal against Arsenal. That's a goalkeeper mistake that shouldn't have even began. So. I wouldn't be shocked if we suddenly 
don't see him start, even though it'll feel harsh because he is getting the clean sheet. Yeah, the thing is, like, I think flip-flopping was a good way to put it, Sam. You know, like, if you look at all the elite goalkeepers in Europe, they're not necessarily putting up 10 out of 10s every match, but they're consistently hitting 7s and 8s every single match. And goalkeeper is one of those positions where if you're not really talking about how poor they've been, that means that they've been pretty good on the whole, right? It's kind of like... Yeah, and and if you have the how... Like, if they have one howler of a match, like, it's easier to look past it because you can see, like, the overall body of work. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's the outlier, you know? Yeah. I mean, case in point, just look at Mendy when we had Mendy in goal. I mean, the guy wasn't just a one-and-done when it came to his mistakes. Once he made his first mistake, he started making a bunch of them. And eventually, it got his ass sold. So, I'm a little worried about Sanchez in that sense. When it comes to his shot stopping, I'm completely confident. When it comes to his ability to handle crosses and set pieces, I'm I'm pretty confident. But I mean, we're we're going to be a possession based side, and like I played center back, and when I played club, our keeper sucked with his feet, and it scared the shit out of me whenever he would look at me and pass the ball to me when I had a you know an attacking player within ten or fifteen yards of me because. God only knows where that pass is going to go. It's not a guarantee <laughs> that it's going to find your feet. It could leave you in a position where you're making a tackle, a last-minute tackle, picking up a stupid yellow or a red card, or, I mean, it might just fall to Mo Salah's feet one game, like Andres mentioned, or it might fall to De Bruyne's feet one game, and guess what? They're not going to miss the back of the net. They're not going to make those silly mistakes. And that's where my concern is, um, especially coming, in, coming up to November where we have this huge run of matches. I mean... Basically, any player from a top six club is going to be able to capitalize on a mistake like that. And I don't think, I think, you know, his center backs, uh, well, let me try to rethink what I'm about to say because it is a little bit wrong. Um, DeSassi, Ben Chilwell, and Caicedo, I think, weren't helping him much. We were having a tough time building out of the back. And for some reason, I, and it wasn't all on Robert Sanchez. I saw it from a lot of players in that back line. Levi, I think, was probably the only one that was, like, you know, nearly perfect. Um, but, I don't know, we had a tough time building out of the back today, and it was not uh, not too uh, pleasing. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of those things that as the season goes on, Poch is really going to harp on it. Um you know kind of get those out of our team's game because they could be detrimental in the future um but yeah i mean that kind of brings us to uh the end of the podcast here i mean it looks like we talked about pretty much everything is there anything else you guys wanted to mention or any special shout outs specific oh, uh, players i mean well, well actually there is one thing i want to mention um sorry song uh the exclusion of noni Madueke from this team i mean we yeah found out after the match that he actually wasn't injured, according to Poch, and Poch just, uh, he dropped him for, um, you know, selection reasons is how he put it. But let's be honest, it's a, it's a punishment. And I think he's trying to avoid a potential Jaden Sancho situation um, where, you know, he lets the player just kind of do whatever he wants. Um, I, I think Poch runs a pretty tight ship, and I think he's using Madueke to make an example out of him for the rest of these young players that... You can't mess around. It, it, and, and honestly, guys, you can't go partying the same night that your team, who's been struggling all season, 
you know, loses to a potential relegation side. Like, it's it's just not a good look. Oh, sorry. It was the right myself. decision. Um, yeah. Like, on one, on one side of me, I think, you know, it's he's young, he, like, he wants to go and party, it's not a big deal, but I think with what you said, the added context of he was injured, you know, he was out injured, and you know, going out and partying, like, it's obviously not the same thing as, you know, playing a match of soccer, but, you know, he's jumping, whatever, it, it, he should be at home and resting, recovering, and trying to get better, yeah, you know, I mean, so, I get that, and then, adding the context of, yeah, we lost, and then him doing that, that's just, the optics are not great, mm-hmm. but, I don't know, I, I I think I'm okay with it. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I don't think it was a big so deal. So hopefully it's um, not because I think it, I think it we should get something be. out of him, especially in this four-two-three-one. And I think that's part of the plan, right? Like I think this is mm-hmm. just look. We don't have the Terry Lampard, Drogba, Czech spine that can go to the young guys and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And it's settled inside the locker room. Like, this is the youngest team in the Premier League, and Poch needs to teach them these things. Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he didn't say that it was because of partying that protects the young guy, but behind closed doors, he's basically saying, what kind of message are you sending to the fan base, to your employer? Like, this is not good for anything. Mm -hmm. Like, you couldn't practice, but then you went and party till 2 a.m.? Like, it's just a maturity thing. I don't think this is Jaden Sancho level by any means. I don't think it'll escalate like that at all. I will. We will probably see his name on the bench on Monday. Hopefully. It's a slap of the wrist, but it's a bigger lesson at play. Yeah, like there will be. You are twenty-two years old. You have plenty of time to celebrate off seasons, birthdays, whatever. But like the pictures came out on like a Thursday night or something like, or like mm-hmm. a Monday night. It was something wild like that. Like, dude, like we could have used you last weekend, but you were quote unquote hurt. And the next time we see you, you're popping bottles with your buddies, jumping on chairs, like nah. So I think it's a lesson moment. You get bench. You, you show up late to practice, you get bench. Like th- mm-hmm. th- that's just how it goes. And I think, that is the right way to do things. You don't make an exception because then you won't be taken seriously as a manager. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a respect thing for Pochettino too. Um, You know, he does have this open line of communication with all the players. He does have this personal relationship with them where it's not necessarily like he's, he's not just their gaffer for lack of a better word. You know, he's there to kind of help them grow as men and grow as footballers. Um, to help set them up for the rest of their career. So I think this is this is just another, you know, a blip in the radar. I'm not too concerned right now, um, in the very least. But anyways, I mean, that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. Um, but we, we, have Fulham, we have Fulham on Monday. Oh, yeah. yeah. We need to talk, yeah, we need we to talk Fulham real quick. Yeah, we do have I Fulham mean, on Monday. Okay, Fulham, their last three league matches, uh, they drew against City. I mean, sorry, Crystal Palace. They beat Luton, and then they got smacked by City 5-1. And then today, they they beat Norwich in the EFL Cup. Last round, they knocked Tottenham out in penalties. So, uh, and I mentioned earlier this episode, they're above us in the table, so we should be the underdogs. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, 
I think I'm still at the point where I'm, I don't want to give predictions. Yeah. I, I really don't want to. I can give a prediction. Um, I think there will only be one goal in this game. Um, Fulham <laughs> and Chelsea have only scored five goals apiece this season in Jesus. the opening six matches. So this is going to be a very ugly attacking game, I think, in terms of hitting the target and actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, but it, it, listen, if we kind of copy and paste the the way we played today and we enact the same tactics, similar lineup um, against Fulham, I think we should be able to create enough to maybe at least nick one goal. I'm not really concerned. Okay about any of their attacking threats honestly i think the only big concern for me is late in the game when they bring adama triori off the bench he's injured he's injured he's injured oh he's injured thank thank the lord because i'm just thinking him running at tiago in the 90th minute oh my god but okay <laughs> then we're good we're chilling i think we'll take it I, th- I, th- I think it's a potential one nil for us okay but here's the thing you can't copy and paste today's lineup because nico jackson can't play also, Chilwell, but Chilwell's we talked hurt. about the back line. We never talked about who we think is going to play striker. I mean, is Brozier ready to play a full 90? And then on top of that, does Monson get another start? Like, I think Raheem Sterling is going to start, and he's going to play in one of those two positions. So it'll either yeah. be Sterling and Brozier, or maybe it'll be Monson and Sterling at striker. I don't know what we're going to see. I would really love because I I know before this match Poch said that Brozia could only play thirty minutes. He's not fit to get you know a full start. So if that is the case, I still start him against Fulham. Like go yeah, all out it. in the first half. <laughs> get fuck it. Get the goal and manage the game. Look what happened today. We got the first goal and we were able to manage the rest of the game. It was way easier than trying to come back from one nil or two or two nil down. So. I don't yeah. know. I think it's risky, but maybe you start Broja, you tell him, listen, you only got 45 minutes today. Make the most of it. Um, but, you know, a man can dream, but we'll probably wind I up hope so, man. The nine. I mean, the other option is David Washington. <laughs> but ah. we, haven't even, we haven't even seen him play. Yeah. So, yeah. I think get a start. I honestly don't know what delayed, if anything, would. I was thinking like, oh, obviously in the 60th minute, you're gonna have Broja come in. Like I just had it in my mind. He will get 30 minutes today. But then I mentioned it after Nico Jackson scored, he was lights out. And he for sure wasn't gonna play Monday. So I think it was almost like, well, I don't need to put Broja out there and hurt him because I'm gonna need him Monday. That that's how I took it. Because that's the only reason why I don't see why he wouldn't have gotten more than 15 today. He yeah. got his 15 against West Ham and 15 today. He's got a whole week till basically a whole week of training before our game Monday, like mm-hmm. with off days in the way, however that plays out. But my one prediction, Cole Palmer will start at the 10 and he will be the most influential attacker again. Like it's going to go through him if we're going to get goals. Tom? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, for the front for the front three, but I'm just praying that he keeps the same shape. Like that that's the most important important part. Cole yeah. Palmer being played at the ten changes the game. Like just keep the same shape. A back four, like 
and Enzo next to and Enzo next to Caicedo. It's yes. time. It's time yeah. our two hundred million midfield gets to play as a two hundred million double pivot. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, well, man. Hopefully, um, now that that's the official end of this podcast. Now we could finally wrap mm-hmm. it up. But not following us wherever you are, Blues Upgrade. Um, again, no questions. Tweet after this match. I apologize, everybody. I didn't even get to watch the first half live, so sue me, as uh, Sam loves to hear me say. Um, But anyways, until next week, let's keep the blue flag flying high.